This is Good Morning Mumbai with Richie K. Brand new day, brand new week, and Saurabh Mittal diligently comes in dispensing his financial advice. Good morning, Saurabh. I hope friends, family, colleagues are all right in this COVID-19 crisis. All well, Richie. Thank you so much. Well, I've been thinking over the weekend, and uh, finally, I'm going to put uh, words to what I've been thinking about: to buy or to rent. That is the question, and you'd agree it's pertinent. I mean, I, there is so much, so much content which is available on the net, and I think it's a question which not only we as Indians face; it is a global question. And uh, so many videos and articles have been written on it, and people have various questions. Like uh, when should I buy a house? Should I buy it as soon as possible? Or should I wait for the property prices to ease? Should I invest and then buy when and uh, after some time I already have some corpus? There are so many questions around it. Uh, let me just tell you what what do we think about it. So first and foremost, what we feel is that if you are wanting to buy a house and your EMI is not more than twenty two to thirty percent of your monthly income, you can go ahead and buy a house. But if your EMI is around fifty to sixty percent of your monthly income, then it's better to rent because there is no point in parking such a huge amount of money. in an illiquid asset and be dependent on that like because as we have seen in times like this when the incomes are uncertain and you have a huge part of your monthly income already going in repayment of loans it's a situation that we uh, advise people to avoid second uh, thing that we say is that might be better to invest today and buy later if current income or saving isn't enough then it's better to invest stay on rent and buy later what also happens in this is that you might be able to maintain a particular standard of living which otherwise you might not be able to maintain if you are buying a property so a client of mine although he was working in a posh area in south mumbai just because he wanted to buy a house and he couldn't afford in that area he took a house in uh, you know in thane side and now uh, he's not been able to maintain the standard of living and has to invest a lot of time in investing which is what i was saying about geographical advantage consider the rental yield from the property which is the annual flow divided by the market value of the property so suppose if it's a 1 crore property and on an annual basis you get a rent of say 3 lakh rupees then your rental yield is 3% so you should be able to gauge as to what is the rent the yield of the property that you're going to rent in and what is the advantage of buying it well said recommendation please so i would say that uh, although it might sound mathematical so consult with your financial advisor to see whether it's right for you to buy a property right now or not but in my experience more often emotional decision rather than a rational one and cannot be arrived purely on the basis of mathematics if you ask me consider that if staying on a rent can make you financially independent sooner then it would make sense to choose financial independence over buying a property right fair enough what's a quotable quote for the Day, buddy. It's a philosophical quote from Terry Pratchett. Says the world is a globe. The farther you sail, the closer to home you are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> where, where can we reach out to you if you want to invest or get some financial tips, Saurav? You can put a mail to me. My address is saurav at cwa dot co dot in. Also, I'm on Twitter. My handle is saurav s mittal. Let's speak uh, tomorrow. Bye bye. See you. Bye. This is Good Morning Mumbai with Rishi K. Tuesday edition of Talking Finance with the very astute uh, Saurabh Mittal. Here he is returning on the phone, maintaining self-isolation. Good morning, my friend. I hope friends, family, extended family and colleagues are all right in this COVID-19 crisis. All well, Rishi. Thank you so much and hoping the same for you and all our listeners. Thanks very much. Conflict of interest. It means very different things when you talk about a radio perspective. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, what is conflict of interest in financial terms, please? Yeah, so very simply put, uh, what we would say that when your interest 
interest as an investor is not aligned to the interest of your advisor there is a conflict of interest so basically it is a situation where the person uh, who is advising you has his own vested interest and such a situation should definitely be avoided since the vested interest of that professional or the advisor may influence his decision making and eventually the advice that he gives to you why don't so you give us an example that is what i was about to say so on a very basic day to day basis it's like you know you go to a restaurant and you ask the waiter to suggest a dish more often than not we find that uh, the dish that he suggests is on the expensive side so that is probably because he has a commission which is tied to it so we don't know but this is what we have experienced right this is exactly what an example of conflict of interest is that your interest is to have a good dish but the waiter has a different interest similarly in finance you know when uh, you receive an tips from a share broker his interest is only for you to trade so the more you trade more brokerage you will earn his interest is not that you create wealth while your interest as an investor is to create wealth so again there is a conflict of interest similarly when you are dealing with an rm who has a particular target to sell a particular product again there is a conflict of interest because again your interest is to create wealth but the interest of the rm is to sell you a particular product yeah and so, obviously because of this conflict of interest there's a lack of trust between financial planners yeah towards exactly. financial planners that is yeah. true let's have a recommendation please so for an investor to be free of such conflict of interest it's wise to pay the fees to the financial planner so as we all know that the biggest source of conflict is the remuneration and since you are paying the advisor the chances are very very high that it will minimize the conflict also this will help you in analyzing whether to evaluate that your financial advisor whether it is worth paying him the money or not because otherwise you will not know what is earning out of the commission that products that you buying to him lastly it will enable a conversation that doesn't revolve around the investment product but around your own personal financial goals okay corrible quote for the day would be So it's a quote from John Doyle says no conflict no interest very plain very simple very effective before you go where can we reach uh, you if you want to invest buddy you can put a mail to me my address is saurabh@cwa.co.in also i'm on twitter my handle is saurabhsmittal great talking to you let's speak tomorrow bye bye see you bye this is good morning mumbai with rishi k get rid of the midweek financial blues Saurabh Mittal is what we propose our finance expert comes in day after day on the telephone line good morning my friend I hope everything is alright friends, colleagues, family all well in this COVID-19 crisis all well Rishi thank you so much would you broadly categorize taxes we pay in India please I know it's it's a barrage of questions together but at least go through the basics yeah I mean you were talking about getting rid of blues and I think taxes will bring in that thing again so uh, you know after GST was introduced uh, we felt that all taxes will be simplified and uh, will be only subject to direct taxes and gst but as it turns out that that is not the case so obviously we are subjected to income tax where we pay taxes on income and interest and whatever uh, income that we are generating whether it is in terms of salary or business uh, apart from that we also pay capital gain taxes so whatever profits or uh, income that we generate out of investments whether it is in real estate or gold or even in mutual funds we pay a capital gains on it so as far as direct taxes are concerned this is what we are paying uh, in indirect taxes obviously there is gst which is uh, into four slabs and we pay different slab rates for different products but apart from that there is also excise duty which still continues to be levied on fuel and on alcohol so we're paying excise duty on that we are also paying basic custom duties on certain products that gets imported there is also pt or professional tax uh, which is deducted from uh, salaried person income we are also subject to stamp duty so when you are transferring a property uh, it is subject to stamp duty and registration and similarly uh, now uh, stamp duty has also been introduced on mutual funds 
from 1st of July where you have to pay a stamp duty of 0.005%, which is a very minuscule amount. But nevertheless, you have to pay this additional tax just because you are investing in a mutual fund. And uh, lastly, property tax. So there's still a whole lot gamut of uh, taxes that we are subjected to. So eight brackets there describe very low quantity by Saurabh Listen, what's your recommendation? So while thinking about tax planning, we often worry too much only about our income taxes. However, a bunch of indirect taxes are also paid up when we purchase any commodity or product. Now, although these are inevitable, but you have to remember that these are like leakages in your wealth creation journey. And as you account for your financial goals, you need to make sure that all the tax incidences have also been taken into account. Fair enough. So what's your quotable quote for the day? It's a quote from Douglas Adams. said, I'm spending a year dead for tax reasons. <laughs> if you're alive, <laughs> you have to pay your taxes. As simple right. as that. Sort of before you go, uh, can we have your coordinates in case we get, need to get in touch to invest or get some financial tips? You can put a mail to me. My address is sorabhcwa.co.in. Also, I'm on Twitter. My handle is sorabhsmithal. Let's speak tomorrow. Take care. See you. Bye. This is Good Morning Mumbai with Rishi K. Thursday edition of Talking Finance with Saurabh Mithal, my finance expert, who is on the telephone line maintaining uh, social distancing and self-isolation. Good morning, Saurabh. I hope friends, family, extended family and colleagues are all right during this COVID-19 crisis. All well, Rishi. Good morning to you too and hoping the same for you and all our listeners. So far, so good. Stamp duty and mutual funds. A lot has been said and written about it. I want you to take us through the applicable date as well as the rate and your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you rightly said, uh, it has made a huge uh, UN cry and a lot of people have been talking about it. But I just want to touch upon basic things about it so it has been made applicable from 1st of July 2020. The most important thing to know is that as most people know that the stamp duty will be applicable on purchases but one has to remember that uh, those purchases include when you're doing a purchase to an SIP or an STP which is a systematic transfer plan where you are switching money from one scheme to another scheme and even on dividend reinvestment. So if you have a scheme where you have taken a dividend option which dividend was supposed to be reinvested so on those reinvestment amounts where new units would be purchased even on those uh, units uh, the stamp duty will be applicable. So, on all aspects of buying uh, new units, the stamp duty will be applicable. The rate is 0.005%, which uh, to simplify means it will be 5 rupees on 1 lakh rupees of investment. It's not a significant amount, but uh, obviously it is an additional burden or a tax that one has to pay. Uh, you also have to remember that there is no tax at the time of selling. So, when you're redeeming your units, there will be no tax. So, it is only on one side. And uh, for the purpose of capital gains, the stamp duty will be considered as the cost of acquisition. So, one would have to do an additional uh, work while computing a capital gain, whereby they will have to add the stamp duty again to the purchase price to get the accurate amount of capital gain. Also, one uh, we have to remember that if you are switching units uh, in DMAT form from one uh, holder to another holder, maybe it is because of gift or for any other reason. In that case, it will be considered as a off-market transaction, and in that case, the stamp duty will be three times. It will not be 0.005 percent; it will be 0.015 percent. So it will be three times of that. Well, uh, you know the percentages are really small, but uh, it's a cause for worry for a lot of investors. What's your recommendation? So, like you said, it is a worry, but what we would say is that because for an investor, it won't alter any experience of purchasing because the transaction will go as, as it was going, uh, like currently, even before 1st of July. So, whether it is SIP, STP, uh, anything, the uh, experience remains same. Uh, although it is an edge cost, but it is negligible. An investor shouldn't pay much attention to it. Continue with your investment. Consider real estate too. There, even in that kind of capital asset, there are capital uh, stamp duty which 
which is to the tune of five to six percent of the property value, but that doesn't really alter any perception that most of the people have made about the returns that one can make on real estate. Fair enough. What's your quotable quote for the day, Saurabh? So it's a quote I think which uh, kind of signifies everyone's feeling. Uh, it's quoted by Mark Twain. He says, "What is the difference between a taxidermist and a tax collector? The taxidermist takes only your skin." <laughs> 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 the great Mark Twain there. Listen, if you want to invest or we want some want some tips from you, where can we reach out, Saurabh? You can put a mail to me. My email address is saurabh at cwa.co.in. Also, I'm on Twitter. My handle is saurabh s mittal. We'll speak tomorrow. Bye bye. See you. Bye. This is Good Morning Mumbai with Rishi K. Friday edition of Talking Finance with Saurabh Mittal, my finance expert, who's been coming in diligently Monday to Friday on the phone. Good morning, Saurabh. I hope friends, family and colleagues are all right. Good morning to you all. Well, thank you so much. Well, uh, children's education has moved online or otherwise. Lots of worried parents there. I thought we'd do uh, five steps to plan your child's education. Uh, what would they be, Saurabh? Yeah, so uh, when we talk about planning for child education, we don't want to plan for your day-to-day expenses that one might be incurring. But we really want to focus on the big capital expenditure that all of us can force when a child wants to do some specialized kind of graduation or a post graduation so the very simple five steps so first is obviously you need to know what the target date by which you need amount on this target date obviously is kind of marked on stone because you can't change those dates the day your son or the child turns 18 you need that money for graduation or subsequently for post graduation so first be clear at what date you need the money second is also ascertain what is the current cost of education in the field your child wants to pursue your career once that is clear then you have to inflate it uh, as per the current inflation it and then arrive at the final target amount that you will be needing at that date and fourth is that once you are clear that this is the amount that i need then you have to estimate as to what would be the return that you would want to generate what is the kind of risk that you can take on the investment that you want to make to create that corpus and basis of that you then calculate what is the current monthly calcul- uh, contribution that you will have to make towards that corpus so this is very simple five basic step it is not only applicable to your child education but to any other financial goals or financial corpus that you want to create in the future that's very systematic what's your recommendations or so what we say is that it's easy to set a process but what is more important is to follow it so don't get worked up by greed because it's a long journey when you're setting up a process or a goal you're setting up for next 10 15 20 years uh, you know and that journey you know greed or any other pending when you comes your way and you ca- kind of get derailed from your journey towards creating that goal so discipline is the most important part just like in gym you pay to the instructor for discipline and not only for the exercise i think same goes for a wealth manager and he might help you in achieving that Goals. Well put. What's your quotable quote for the day? So since we are talking about uh, education, there is a quote from someone anonymous. Says the easiest way to teach children the value of money is to borrow some from them. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Sorry, mm-hmm. before you go, if you want to invest or you want some financial tips from you, I can reach out, buddy. So you can put a mail to me. My address is saurabh at cwa dot co dot in. Also, I'm on Twitter. My handle is saurabh s mittal. Have yourself a good weekend. Let's speak on Monday. Sure. Bye.